Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Bavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, 707 Walnut in Philly, always at LLPavorsky.com. I'm Spike Eskin, along with my mental skills coach, Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Hey, buddy. Good morning. I'm People cool. thought that I was actually engaged last week when you said <laughs> that I was the 13th, so... I'm sorry. But, but I am actually your mental skills coach, so that actually works out this time. Well, see, and that just makes everything more confusing for everyone. Yeah. Mike is not actually engaged. I I, I thought I was being – I thought I was obviously facetious when I did that. I guess not. Or your response was you're, obvious. You're a hard newsbreaker. <laughs> People think that you bring the truth to them. I do. I do bring the truth, but I'm not a hard newsbreaker. I would not break that news on the podcast without your – At least not at the, not at the top. No. So cavalier. Yeah, that's the thing. I approached it in a very, in a very cavalier. I, well, didn't I use it as your introduction, which is always a lie, which is every part of that one is a lie. Anyway, so the podcast, of course, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please like us on our brand new Facebook page, which is run by our intern, uh, Kristen, uh, not to be confused with our um, – I, I feel like at some point we're going to have to make the announcement about Philip. And yeah, let's do it today. You want to do it today? So yeah. so Philip has been our – was obviously the first show intern and runs the Twitter account. And we've decided to announce that um, that we have – I guess promotion is the right way. I mean people yeah, have been promoted, worried. Yeah. Yeah. So Philip has been uh, promoted to head of data, data management – and uh, and audience acquisition for the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And I didn't know the second part. I didn't know his audience acquisition. I like that so much. He's yeah. going to do such a good job. Yes, and he he will also continue to run the Twitter, uh, huh? but he is no longer an intern. I think this was this had been building for a while, and I think yeah. uh, you know. Well, the- we've been thinking about it, and then he came to us once we brought on Kristen. Was like, hey, you know, I've been I put my time in. Can we? Can we bump it up? And it's like, yeah, for sure. I appreciate the initiative. Good job, Philip. Yeah. So congratulations to Philip. Philip will also be um, looking through your iTunes reviews for the best one. One of Philip's uh, first uh, suggestions based on some of the data he worked through is that we should only give one iTunes review per episode, which oh. you agreed with. Uh, so this is the one Philip came up with. Uh, this, Philip will also be working on jigsaws as well. Philip has a lot of new responsibilities. So uh, <laughs> his his the so the uh, review five stars from new listener three is his name. Um, subject line: Day well spent in Singapore for the summer. And spent entire day off work listening to rights to Ricky Sanchez. Finished my first episode and ended up listening to six. Fantastic stuff. Crazy. Yeah. I saw, a, and not to just jerk ourselves off, although Why not? I do I like doing that a lot. Uh, I'm always intrigued by because uh, I want to make this inclusive. Like I'm, I desperately want to make Liberty Ballers and rights to Ricky Sanchez inclusive, but it's just so heavily white men. Young white men, primarily. Uh, but the someone tweeted at the podcast saying, "I a girl tweeted at the podcast saying, I listened to like, I, f- I finished listening to all the rights to Ricky Sanchez and now what am I going to do with my time? Something like that. And it's like, that's crazy. That's great. 
Yeah. Makes me really happy. I'll, I'll be honest with you, even though it is... I feel like everything is mostly young white men when it comes to sports and the internet, like mostly. But I yeah. think actually I'm usually pleasantly surprised that it's certainly not a 50-50 split in, in any – it's certainly majority, you know, 20 to 35-year-old white men that are at our events. But I, I'm actually usually sort of surprised at the amount of like non-white guys and the, the females that seem to appear at the events and listen to the podcast. So I also don't think females are – uh, apt to argue about sports on Twitter too, so I don't think we ever hear from them that way either. So um, I'm actually sort of pleasantly surprised, but yes, and I'm always surprised and amused by people that go listen back and listen past, to yeah. old ones. Yeah, you shouldn't because we're wrong all the time. <laughs> it'll prove it'll prove that we have no. There's no reason we have a podcast. Yeah, no, none at all. So uh, on the podcast today, of course, we will talk about Summer League, which has been amusing to say the least, I would say so far. And we will also talk to Ben Simmons's mental skills coach. Wow. A, yeah, a sports psychologist named Graham Betchert, who is the director of mental skills training for a company called Lucid. So we will talk to um, – and I thought every it was – Every time I hear – Every time I hear the name of the company, I like squirm a little bit. What Lucid? It's a, it's a tough name. Yeah, I. I'm... It's so it's so visual. It's like yes. I don't know. I, I think of like a like a floating in like a pool of like brain matter is yeah. my is my image there. I the only the only I don't even know what lucid means. All I know, I think all I my only context no. of the word lucid is is from Vanilla Sky, which is right, right. a movie I really enjoy. But so and I thought it was specifically interesting because so much of what has been questioned about we weren't able to get Ben Simmons's jump shot coach out. So the only other thing that's been questioned is his quote unquote mentality. So Oh great. I'm gonna throw some takes at him. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, It's so it's so not surprising that you like Vanilla Sky. And it's not like a character why? flaw. It's just a very it's a very it fits in your uh, you know, box of character traits. Can I ask why? I enjoy that movie just, a lot. It just feels like, you know, it's it's primary. The movie gets shit on a lot. Yeah, uh, I think unfairly, sort of, by the way. I, well, I know you think it's unfairly. Yeah. Because it's sort of like just weird and bizarre. Yeah. And I feel like you watch that and be like, it's awesome. Yeah. And I just, I, uh, you know, it's not a, I'm not, I'm not, I, I also like the movie, but i you bring it up is is it really fits for me? Yeah, it's very on brand. I like yeah. I like right. movies that are. I would rather it be strange than good. Almost most <laughs> of the time. What was interesting about that movie, and I don't know if you remember when when it came out, but it was the previews for it and the commercials almost made it seem like a rom com or something. Like the commercials were very Cameron Diaz, Tom right. Cruise. And, they had no idea how to market. No, and then it came out, and then here's this weird matrix-like um uh, upsetting elephant man <laughs> type movie it was a very strange movie so yeah. all right so we only have I, I don't know how i'm going to end up putting this together and in, in, in post maybe i'll just release it as just, it yeah is. just release it who cares okay. let's we always okay. we always have guests at the end let's throw a guest at the beginning okay so we have about five minutes before we have to call graham so what do we have what can we go over for five minutes what how do about- you want how about, how about Dario? Dario. So I've been feeling more and more – first of all, uh, he played excellently and got Croatia into the Olympics, which is pretty awesome. Won MVP, right? He was MVP. MVP. 
And the I'll tell you that the thing that has creeped me out, not creeped me out for that's that's the wrong thing, but the thing that has made me feel unsettled about this entire thing is all is honestly how vocal he's been about I'm coming, but yes. him actually not coming. And I just feel like this entire time it's been a setup and I'm really at the point where I'm not being trolly about it, but I'm really at the point where I am actually not going to believe that he's coming until they they send the press release and say that he's coming. But he's been saying the whole time right. that he's coming. And people like your dad and other beat writer types have well, been like, I don't know. Well, Tom Moore wrote a whole I don't know thing. I mean, we can yeah, we, don't, we don't have to just a, say my dad. There's plenty of people. Right. Well, Tom, have, Tom, uh, admitted to the headline being misleading right without without sort of calling out the person who wrote the headline he admitted to the headline being misleading the idea is basically like he talked to somebody who knows like everybody does hey if he waits another year he can renegotiate his contract and not have to be on the rookie scale which we get it if he if he says no i'm gonna wait i would understand i wouldn't be mad about it because it makes financial sense but everything we've heard from him is I want to come now, I want to come now, I want to come now. So, And Bo, Brett Brown was also uh, talking to the broadcast team, which we'll get into yeah. later when we talk about Summer League, our friend Tom, Tom Penn. Penn. Tom Penn! Uh, he was talking to him about Dario, and, and he said that he won MVP and that you know he announced that he wants to come to the Sixers. So he's like, Brett's not like dancing around that. He's I think Brett is taking him at his word and assuming that he's coming. How about this? For somebody – here's what I would ask you, I guess. For somebody and, – and especially if you're – the thing that adds to this is everyone knew the the money that would be spent this offseason would be crazy. But it's a certain other thing to actually see it and yeah, realize how much more money he could actually make. Here, here's uh-huh. Here's what I would say about it is that he has done nothing but say that he's coming, nothing but tell his team is coming, the press, blah, blah, blah. With all of that said, would you be surprised in the least if he didn't come? Yeah. Oh, you would be surprised? I would, yeah. At this uh, point, At this point, I would, yeah. I guess I wouldn't be. I I guess like I don't know he, he they they he they can do the buyout right now right there's nothing stopping he's not playing for his Euroleague team anymore he's, right he's got a he's got a week officially I think I think July seventeenth seventeenth yeah I don't know there's nothing to be negotiated I just I guess I just wish it was done maybe I'm just I'm just um, what's the word I'm just uh, shaken over the last several years of the. Uh, I, I think it's maybe just the Embiid thing. That, that, that well, is. And, and, you know, a year of Nerlens not playing and a year of Bynum not playing. You're just sort of used to it, it, not, it not happening. Yeah. yeah. You've been trained, if you've been trained this way. No, I think, I, I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting because the Sixers are, you know, we'll talk about it when we get to free agency talk, but uh, some people aren't making this roster. Yeah, yeah, um, we'll talk about that too. Well, and actually I was speaking to somebody I was I was wondering aloud about the Sarich thing this week and speaking to somebody not in the know but who we whose opinion we would respect and this person wondered aloud if the delay has to do with them getting rid of Okafor or Noel and that sort of being maybe a condition for him coming over a yeah. a less it's, crowded front court which well, would, I mean, would not be surprising. Yeah, look at it. They have 
people are clamoring for Christian Wood now, which we need to devote at least the rest of this podcast to that. At least, yeah. Uh, that's five centers. <laughs> They're not all going to be here. They can only play center. All of those guys, I mean, you could, oh, there's a world where Embiid and Noel could play four or five, and I guess maybe Rashawn, but like, those guys can't move their feet well enough on the perimeter, and you want them blocking shots inside. They're all centers. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I almost think it's more likely to me that you could play Ben Simmons in a small ball at center in a small ball lineup than playing any of those guys at power forward. Yeah, I agree. You know? Ben and Jeremy as like a four or five kind of deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, let's just call Graham. Let's get let's him call. on here. Let's get him on. Let's add people. All right. La-na-na-na. This is everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Um, hmm. Hmm. This is me trying to add somebody. Okay. I'm excited for the, the question we're going to ask about the other guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least the context of the other guy. Sure. (laughs) I'm sorry. Very good. Hello? Uh, Hey, is this Graham? No. Graham? No? You have the wrong number. Do I? Okay. Sorry, man. Goodbye. Right. Just don't make me look like an idiot. I won't. I'm going to blame Chris. Hello, this is Graham. Graham, this is Spike and Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. We were calling you, but Chris, actually, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but the number <laughs> the number we got for you was one digit off, it would seem. So I think we woke somebody up, uh, but you know, <laughs> I'm thinking they that- had a lot of really good Ben Simmons takes, though. So yeah, that was actually- yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we asked him about Ben Simmons anyway. He had just woken up, but we... <laughs> we wanted to know. Sorry like, about that, guys. Yeah, no, no, no. It's all good. We're glad to have you. So your your title is wait, hold on, I want director of mental skills training for Lucid, which um, which sounds like you work in the future. Actually, that title. <laughs> it kind of feels like the future. Term sometimes working in the tech industry. It's a. Uh, it was kind of weird for me. I'm so used to being in the field. You know, I just love doing mental training so much. I love working with athletes. And then when it came time to build it into an app, you know, I had to kind of readjust <clears throat> to going into a studio and recording and working with engineers and coders and, and all this stuff. So it's been kind of a huge learning experience for me as well. It's been fun, Ex- though. Ex- explain how that works, how it how it uh, how is it, it has gone from being work in the field and then now it's an app. How do play how do players use it and how do you use it to, like, communicate with the players? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been doing this work for about 12 years and. Mental training is really, for me, my experience, it's you have to build a personal connection with someone and you really have to build it over a lifetime. You know, there's no quick fix. So I've been, you know, working on building relationships with players and it it takes a ton of work to be in their space and to take flights and do that kind of stuff. So the idea with building an app was, man, how can we reach everybody without, you know, that much effort and we can reach them in, in a way that they're already available. And we thought, we thought everyone's got headphones, everyone's got a phone, let's, let's make an app and deliver this stuff through an app. So we, that's what we built. And they kind of took my life's work and 
uh, first book I wrote was called Play Present, which is a series of just mental game plays. I tried to make it really simple. And the book didn't sell so well. Uh, a lot of young athletes don't buy books, but all that content got led right into the app. So now we're just we're just delivering it in a way that we think everyone can access it, you know? Well, I'll tell you, as a person who I would never have thought about meditation or anything like that until I found the Headspace app like a year ago. And yeah. you're, you're right, just having something like that uh, in an easy way at your fingertips um, that you can almost start working right away is a, uh, is a big plus, I think. So – so mental skills coach. So in my head, I can I can imagine what a shooting coach, what that that practice is like and what that coaching is like or a, a physical training coach, a mental skills coach. What does the I guess the the training part of it and the coaching part of it look like? How does that work when you're you're working directly with an athlete? Great question. <clears throat> And I love sharing this stuff because I feel like the, some of the biggest part of what I do in this field is I take away the mystery of what this is. And mental training, you mentioned skill coaches and strength coaches. I, I align myself with, with them, and all of them think that um, – and I'm kind of generalizing, but everyone knows there's no quick fix to anything they're working on. And that it's all about practice. It's all about repetition. And it's all about sticking with something and, and kind of working your way through it. And so mental training – is the same way, right? When, you, when you're getting a good workout in the weight room, it's uncomfortable. Your muscles are burning. And so mental training is, is like that. You, you know you're expanding your mind and expanding your abilities when you go into a vulnerable space, when you allow yourself to feel a bit, little bit uncomfortable. So same principles as any other training. And what we're actually training, we start with, is, is your focus. And we start with building your awareness to what are you focused on. Because 99% of the stuff out there you can't control. So the first thing we do is try to narrow your focus to what are the actual things that you control. And so we call this play, play one, and we call it win. And win stands for what's important now. Because most people focus on results and outcomes. And the funny part about this whole thing is you cannot control results and outcomes. So yeah, we're all, about, to... we're all about the process over here. So we're on board with, with all of that. You got it. So you, you get him to focus on the moment. You get him to be in this moment right now. And you focus on being assertive in this moment and trusting your skills. And it all sounds really easy, but the challenge is when four or five plays didn't go your way. And you're sitting there and your mind wants to go to those last four or five plays and you got to bring yourself back into this moment. Back into this moment when things maybe aren't going so good for you result-wise. And, and that becomes where mental strength comes in. If you make your first five shots, it's not, e it's not hard to be present. You're going to be present. It's fun. Being in the present when things are challenging is what the great athletes learn to do. So we, we work on the first concept of narrowing your focus to what you control, and then I call it playing present. we got to be in this moment no matter what's going on. And then the real skill is what we call next play speed. When you lose your focus, which is going to happen all the time, how fast can you get it back? And can you get it back in under a second or two? Or does, do you lose your focus and it's kind of on your mind for a couple weeks or a couple hours or, you know, so it's about bringing yourself back in this moment, trusting your skills and being present with however you feel, which kind of leads us into our second skill. If we, if focus is a choice, which it is, you have to train yourself to focus on what helps empower you. And the second thing I work on is confidence and confidence. Most people I start working with, they think confidence is a feeling. 
and I help them evolve that into confidence is an action. How you feel is how you feel. You're a human being. You're going to feel all kinds of feelings. But the action you take, that's what we're in control of. So I, I break confidence down into how you are taking action. Um, and, you know, and, and the big skill is act your way into the feeling where most people feel their way into the action. So if they feel good, they're going to act good. If they feel sad, they're going to act sad. And as an athlete, you kind of have to, you have to learn to perform no matter how you feel. So that's kind of the foundation of the training is let's get your focus right, get your confidence right. And we go from there. And, you know, I'm 38 years old. I work on this stuff every day. It's not like you ever just master confidence and you're walking through life just in this surreal state. It's something you work on all the time, right? I teach them to be present and mindful and conscious all the time, you know, and that's, that's kind of the work. And does it manifest itself outside of the court as well? Or do you, do you, t- do you tend to stay like in game or in practice like that kind of, you're not talking about yeah. maybe their personal life or their families and that kind of stuff. Well, it's, it, it naturally gravitates towards life skills. You know, if I'm sure. talking about focus and pra- I mean, all this stuff works and with, with whatever you're doing in life, you know, this stuff helps. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a natural thing to kind of apply to different aspects of your life. But for me, the lane I'm really strong in and the lane that we're really strong in and lucid is this is for athletic performance. Mm-hmm. And this is for anyone who feels pressure and there's results on the line, you know? So that's really what it's built for is someone that kind of feels that pressure knows they have to get results. And this is what they're choosing to do in life. And so you may as well get good at it and, and train it and practice it. So uh, a lot of people feel like they can, they watch, let's take Ben Simmons because you've worked with him yeah. and he's of special interest to us, but him as an example. So they watch him and how he plays and determine that, well, he's being passive because he does X or he doesn't have, um, he's not tough mentally because of Y. Do you feel like you can watch one of the guys that you work with on the court and figure out whether he is doing what you have trained him to do mentally by his actions? Or is it like, how, how do you, I guess, how do you know if it's working? How do you know if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing? Really, really good question. And I get that a lot. It's like, how do you identify that this stuff is working with someone? You know, how, how can you see? And so most of us want to go to results, right? We just want to see like, Oh, he, he shot 20 jump shots or, you know, he hit out like we can see it's working. And for me, uh, you know, mental training is subtle and it's slow and, it, and it's built up over time, you know. So for me, I know it's working just by the fact that we're talking every once in a while, just by the fact that someone reaches out and says, hey, this is interesting to me. I want to kind of look into this. Um, then, you know, it's kind of working already. And I try to phrase it in terms of, look, he's 19 years old. This is a lifetime's work. You know, so this isn't something that's just going to be, you just, you fix something real quick. It's something you pursue your whole life. But for me, when I'm watching basketball, how I can tell that someone's doing this and working on, on their mental game is how fast can they refocus and move forward after they make a mistake. That's something you can see right away. And you can see after they turn it over, do they, do they move on fast? Or if they airball a shot, can you tell like they don't want to shoot it anymore after that? That means they haven't refocused. So for me, that's the stuff I look for is, are they still being assertive? Are they still aggressive? Do they still believe in themselves? Even though technically result wise, maybe nothing is going their way because that means they're locked into the moment. They're not thinking about the past. They're not worried what the future holds. They're just in this moment right now going for it. And I, I use um, 
so, you know, like I've, I've been with Ben. I started working with him when he was in high school. That's when I first checked in with him. Um, Aaron Gordon is another player I've worked with for a while. I met him when he was 11, when I first met him. And so I use, I use an example with him sometimes. When you watch him shoot free throws, he shot 30% in high school and college, and now he's shooting 70% in the pros. So his, his willingness to keep moving forward, to keep working through the process of becoming better. Um, you guys mentioned, hey, you see process all the time. So I, I look at if someone's doing their process and Ben Simmons, in in my opinion, will go down as a great basketball shooter, just like Jason Kidd went down as a great shooter at the end of his career. It's, he wants to get better at it. You know, he wants to improve at it. When Jason Kidd came into the NBA, I don't know if you guys remember the nickname they called him. They called him Asin Kidd because he had no J. <laughs> right. you know? and, and now at the end of his career, he's top 10 shooting threes all time. So so you tell me if he can shoot. You know, so I, I kind of look at it like it's just a process. And if you have the right mindset, you you can get better at any skill. And so that's what I look for is how fast can they fail? Do they allow themselves to be vulnerable? And it's pretty subtle. You know, it's not some drastic thing that happens in one night, but I've from knowing Ben a few years, man, I just see this guy with a huge desire to be great and and a willingness to do everything he can to do it. And I'm sure you guys saw the game last night. It's just as fun for me to watch him play um, as it is for everyone else, man. He's a very special, beautiful basketball player, as you can tell, you know? Yeah. Do you get much, we had a guy named Royce White on the Sixers a couple years ago, or almost on the Sixers. Uh, yeah, sort and he, of on the Sixers. Sort of on the Sixers. He, well, he made the t-shirt. That's all that counts. Yeah. Uh, if, <laughs> do you get uh, much help from the NBA or, or pushback or something? Because Royce basically said the NBA is very far away from having decent mental health training. Are you close with them, or are you just to operate totally separately on your own? Well, I think, I think, first of all, it's important that I kind of clarify um, some of you know, these terminologies out there that are kind of thrown around. And I, I look at myself as more of like mental strength and more of mental skills training. And when I hear the words mental health, I think of a totally different spectrum that's totally out of my lane. And when I think of someone like Royce and the struggles he's gone through and what he's working through, that is a different lane than what we do. And what, what we do and what I do is more of helping people who are already functioning uh, on a pretty good level and helping them achieve like a really peak performance state of function. And when I look at Royce White and some of the challenge he went through, I consider that to be more of the mental health lane. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a different lane. So I, um, I think that, you know, me, myself, I've always just gravitated towards the players. You know, I just kind of went gravitated through them. My experience was when I wanted to get into this 12 years ago, that this wasn't a normalized position yet in the NBA. So every team didn't have like a mental strength coach, but they all had a physical strength coach. And so the experience was, you know, they would bring in a sports psychologist or someone occasionally would come in on the side to help players. Um, But I think we're slowly getting to that point where hopefully we're realizing that this needs to be normalized. This needs to be someone who's there all the time and someone who can build relationships and connect with players. Because again, it's not a quick fix. You don't come in and save someone. My philosophy is you train someone that these are skills that need to be trained. And that's why I call mental skills training where mental health to me is, is is a totally different lane. Um, when you're working on, you're not working on just pressure and focus, you're working on 
um, more severe issues, issues that you know need to be diagnosed by a, a professional therapist. Well, I, I think that I think that the similar thing in that you touched on, and that what he was saying, it just in the very broad spectrum of mental issues and, and mental uh, the importance of that is just that right. he felt that uh, that the NBA was behind in at least treating that part of a player as as important as treating his knee and his ankle and so on and so forth. And it sounds like you think that, that teams are getting closer to doing that as opposed to, you know, there's obviously a difference between having a, uh, you know, somebody treating a, uh, a mental disease or a, uh, or a deficiency in that way as opposed to what you do, but the importance of the mental training in general and the, and their, um, their what's the word their attention to that he thought needed right. to be more you know and and, and i agree 100 percent with him i i look at mental training right now kind of where strength and conditioning training was maybe 25 30 years ago you know before michael jordan started lifting weights there was a a, a common theme out there that said lifting weights is going to mess up your shot and mess up your game and so there was kind of this limiting way of looking at it and then everyone of course realized that's just not true at all it helps you in so many ways and so I think with mental training now, we're right at that cusp. You know, if, if you guys have ever read Malcolm Gladwell, I think we're at the tipping point, to tell you the truth. And I think we're close to this snowballing and becoming a really normalized thing because, frankly, the players want it. The young players want it. Everyone wants it. You know, that's what it, that's what it seems like. Do, do you get much pushback, pushback from players? Uh, you know, because some of these kids are 18, 19, 20 years old, and a lot of them don't want to talk about their feelings. Is that, is yeah. that, a, uh, is that something you get from them? I, you know, I, um, I wouldn't say pushback. I tend to be, um, I fit in well in basketball. So I've always, I come off like a coach. I, I, I fit in pretty normal. You know, I'm not some guy coming in with like a suit on trying to pull a kid to the corner and, and, and talk about their childhood. It's not like that. So I just come off like a normal coach and I don't get pushback. What I get is some kids get it right away and they're like, Hey, I want this. And some kids, it, it just hasn't clicked yet that, Oh, this is something of a huge value for me. Once they get into their 20s, it's usually pretty obvious to them. They're like, okay, this is, this is something. When they're in high school, sometimes you just don't quite get it yet. You know, it's not quite, it can be not so obvious. But once they get into their 20s, um, you get less and less pushback after, as the years go on and the more life experience they have because they realize, man, it, it is all mental. And it is all about a mindset, you know. I wanted to ask you about two words in, uh, in direct correlation to Ben Simmons. And the words are um, – are passive and uh, selfish. And I think one thing that I hear a lot that when when people uh, see a player shooting all the time, um, they assume that he's selfish. And when they see a player passing all the time, they assume that he is uh, he is passive or that he is not um, aggressive is uh, I, I guess in terms of Ben in general, who uh, seems like he is he is not um, his first instinct is not to shoot, right? Uh, right. Do, do you think that the instinct to pass rather than shoot, first of all, shows a lack of being selfish? And then how do you, um, how do you judge how, you know, what, is it fair to call him passive because he's not doing it? You know, like because he's not shooting, because he is pass first. Right, right. Really, really good questions. Um, one, I, I see Ben as the ultimate competitor, and more than any of those things, he wants to win. And he wants to win, and whatever he can do to try to put people on his team to win and make everyone better, 
Um, that's absolutely what he wants to do. And as far as whether he's, you know, being like passive or aggressive, it's funny. Like when I, when I watch Ben play, he has a natural ability. He's the most calm player under pressure I've ever had the ability to work with. And it, I don't know if it was innate or he was born with it, but he has an ability. He comes off really calm. And I think sometimes it might be looked at as passive, but when I'm around him, he, he's, it's not passive. He's just extremely relaxed and extremely calm under pressure-filled situations. And it reminded me of the same skill uh, that Michael Jordan was able to develop, and we call it the eye of the hurricane, where there's going to be chaos around you, and you, you have to learn to be calm in it. So ultimately, I see this. The best, best athletes I work with combine the combination of two things, being really calm and really assertive at the same time. It's a combination. You don't just have this reckless person who's extremely aggressive and just gone pushing it, and you don't have someone who's so calm that they're not assertive. It's, it's almost like you're calm and assertive at the same time. So this is just my opinion, but when I see him, that's what I see. I see a very, very special ability that's right there that can be so calm in these tense moments. And he has the ability to be assertive while he's calm. So I, I kind of see it as a pretty special combo that I haven't seen before. I've seen guys that, you know, are more, they're, you know, like Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is like, he's so tense. Like everything about him is tense. And all you're working on with him is like, hey, relax. You're learning to relax. And, and with Ben, I see both. I, I really see both. And he's also 19, you know, so he's going to develop all this stuff as he continues. Um, but I, I don't see it as a knock or a criticism. I, I honestly see it as a really beautiful combination of, of two things that you need. Well, uh, we like what we see so far, and uh, we hope whatever mental skills training you're doing with him, you continue to do. And if at some point during your mental skills training, you can help with that jumper just a little bit. Um, we, we, we would appreciate that too, but, uh, you got it. Yeah. So Grant Betcher and is the app, I went to look for the app on Android. Is it not on Google play yet? Is it just on iPhone or I went to look for yeah, it? Just on iPhone. Now we're working on getting everything set up for Android, but we're on the Apple uh, app store right now. That's where you can find us. And we're working on getting it to, uh, other places as well as soon as we can, you know, but right now that's, that's where we are. All right, man. Uh, well, we appreciate your time this morning, and uh, sorry for the mix-up in the beginning, but we're glad we got you on with us. Thanks, man. Yeah, no worries, guys. Call me anytime. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Okay, take care. Man, the thing about those like the, those guys like that is that they are confident as shit when you talk to them, aren't they? Like, he is so sure of himself, <laughs> just like yeah. in how he talks, you know? Um, so that was Yeah, they cool. always have, there, there's always those like... He has like names for stuff, like yes. Eye of the Hurricane. Like, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here before we talk about, he those... loves your questions, man. My questions were dog shit. He <laughs> loved your questions. Um, well, before we, oh, I wasn't letting him off the hook with the Royce White thing either. I mean, because uh, he tried to dodge it a little, but uh, and I understood what he was saying, but I still think at the heart of it, he what Royce White was saying, he agreed with. So before we talk more about Summer League and free agency, why don't we talk about our sponsor, who is in Las Vegas right now, but is uh. coming back soon to Philadelphia. That is L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. He is, uh, look, man, if you're going to buy an engagement ring, why not buy an engagement ring for from a guy who takes his vacation? and goes to Summer League. Um, L.L. Pavorsky in Las Vegas right now with Jake. 
and uh, at Summer League, but we'll be back, I believe, July 11th. Is that w- That's when the uh, Summer Cabana sale starts at L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, and I, I'm hoping there are T-shirts again, Summer Cabana T-shirts with the L.L. Pavorsky drawing. Look, um, if you're going to buy an engagement ring, you don't want to buy it off a website from some mystery place that you don't get to really talk to. You have an online chat with somebody that says their name is Sarah, but you know her name is not Sarah. Come on. <laughs> you, you don't want to go to some high-pressure store where they're they're on your ass to buy the ring before you've even finished your first question. You want to deal with a guy who went to Summer League. So go see LL. Here's what you do. You want to call him, 215-627-2252. Tweet him, at LL Pavorsky. Email him from the website. Set up an appointment go hang out with ll he will take his time with you and only you during that time he will go over your budget um, what you can spend what your lady or fella you know whoever you're proposing to um, once in an engagement ring and he will low pressure all the time in the world go through the process with you and find the right ring for you ttp not only stands for trust the process but stands for trust the Pavorsky. Again, 707 Walnut online at llpavorsky.com or on Twitter at llpavorsky and is the official jeweler of the rights to Ricky Sanchez. LL Pavorsky Jewelers makes a generous donation to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and rain for every podcast. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Mental strength, just as important in jewelry. Yes. Just as important. Just as important. All right. Summer League. Simmons. Let's start with Simmons. I got to tell you, Here's here is my thought after watching Ben. I have two thoughts after watching okay. Ben Simmons. Okay. First of all, physically, the guy is huge. Yes, he, especially compared to Ingram. He set a screen. On, Ingram set a screen on him one time yesterday, and Ben like carried him across the court. Yeah, he is full NBA man, and it is scary to think that he will continue to grow. You know, physically over the next three, four, five years. Yes. So that is the first thing I notice is like, whoa, he sticks out as a guy. And, and we've had guys over the last several years that like are too skinny. And here we go. We have a guy who is physically great. But the other thing is if he ever gets that jumper, it is over. It is all over. I mean, yeah. I think he is – he was doing things when the guy's sagging 12 feet off him and he's mm-hmm. still – you know, breaking him down off, it just keeps backing him up and backing him up with the dribble sure. and still get. Well, because he can look. He, if you if you're backing off him, that means he just has full court vision for passing lanes. So. Yeah, I, he he and the passing is just is sick. Like he he and I think he's a lot closer to. I'm um, I'm just saying of things that I remember in his size. Like like his handle is pretty sick. Like he is very magic like in in all of that and sure. i am really 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 excited uh, with so all, I, you know so that's it i'm a little more uh tempered than you actually which i okay. i wasn't expecting um okay. the passing is insane i have never seen anything like it um just his the quickness with which he finds people and then the creativity uh a lot of times he gets in trouble for it uh you know especially at summer league so People aren't ready for it, whatever. But, you know, he's thrown into passing lanes. Guys are, especially with the jumper, guys are looking for him to pass, like, right by them. And they don't want to get punked by a between-the-legs pass. So they're sort of, they're ready for the pass. So once that shot comes in, even if he shoots, like, 33% from deep, anything, it it's, becomes a weapon. Um, the handle I'm not as high on. He looks like, it, it's not very tight to me. It okay. looks a little bit like if Thaddeus Young 
was successful with the oh, hand. Oh no! Like, it looks a little bit. It looks a bit like the ball is constantly slipping out of his hands. He doesn't look like he has like. I don't know if his hands are a little small. I don't know. It looks maybe they're too big. I can't tell. But the ball looks like he's all always like on the verge of turning it over, and he doesn't much. He doesn't lose it much, but it's still not as tight. It's not on a string or anything. Um, so I'm. I would like to see him tighten his hand a little bit more. Um, what I have been impressed by is his defense because at LSU he was playing a lot of just, you know, mostly post scores and just kind of standing there and like putting his hands up and that's about it. But he was running guys, he's running around screens, he was working with guys at the top of the key. Uh, he's trying some weak side shot blocking. He's been really engaged on the defensive end and that's what Lloyd Pierce has been saying in terms of like we we know the shot's going to come, the offense is going to be great. We really need him to focus on defense, so that's what we're looking for uh, here. And and so I've been I've been happy with the the defensive effort. He's been getting his hands in passing lanes, all that stuff. Um, but the jumper needs to be something. I, I'm concerned. It's not just the jumper. It's it's the ability to finish. Um, and he for whatever reason cannot finish with his left hand. He just doesn't. He's driving. He's driving to his left, and he switches hands midair to try to finish with his right, going the opposite way, and it's bizarre. Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Connor. I always want to call him Kevin O'Connell. That's wrong. Kevin O'Connor writes for SB Nation and Celtics blog, and he wrote this article a couple months ago about that Simmons might actually be right-handed, and he's shooting with the wrong hand. Um, yeah, he uh, he so a, Lloyd Pierce said that he he signed like he writes with his right hand too. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a change that you just make. That's not he's gonna make. Oh yeah, I'll just use the other one because if he's been using it his whole life, yeah, odds are he's it'll take him like a lot a couple years of failing before he puts together. He hit that one shot uh, in the first game against Boston. That looked clean, and you've seen him like when warmups and in, in practice videos, uh, stepping into threes. But it really is like a tremendous reluctance to do it. And yeah. You you know there's the reluctance when I'm watching it. The thing that looks wrong to me about it when he's shooting is that he he clearly shoots after he's coming down from jump. Yes, like he shoots on the way down, and that'll mean it'll get blocked more. And it, because you, you in the NBA, you have so much less room. To shoot and that and then being six ten and his size is such an advantage that if you're shooting on your way down, you're you're taking away that advantage by doing that, you know. So he's also not he's also not square. He yeah, yeah. he's he fades a lot, he drifts a lot, and his feet are pointed in the wrong direction. It seems so. I don't know. I, I people say his shot's not broken. I don't know that it's broken. I just don't know that it's it exists. It it might be just like a not applicable. Like well, he, his, in game situations, he's just he's just not he's got to be he's got to be able to step into a catch and shoot, and he's gotten the ball a couple times, and they call it record scratches when he just he interrupts the flow of the offense because he can't shoot or he can't do this one thing, and you don't want your best player because he will be our best or second best player to disrupt the flow of the offense because he can't hit hit an open shot. I think the the biggest key for him is actually going to be in the second year when they're able to work with him an entire off season on whatever is wrong. I think when people say the shot isn't broken, when you look at his free throws, it looks 
it does he doesn't look like mkg where his elbow is you know when he's shooting it he just looks like a basketball player shooting um he doesn't it doesn't look um wrong in that way i think when people say it's not broken that's what they say but i don't know i i find it hard to believe that a, a player as skilled as he is right now will not figure something out i i guess look, i i appreciated graham's optimism yeah like jason the jason quid kid is jason kid is obviously and you know to some extent Kawhi. yeah obviously the those kinds of people i mean mj made developed his jumper a lot over the course of lebron lebron sure yeah um but it it's just i i don't know to go from nothing it's it's i'm i just i mean i just hesitate so much because there's been so much more evidence we've talked about this forever with mcw about guys who didn't develop their jump shot yeah who was three years older by the way of course of course i'm not saying i'm just saying assuming guys will will go from right a, as as like grown-ups will go from not being able to do this one thing at all to being to, to being able to do it it's, it's just tricky to just assume i think people do the same thing with julia logopher's defense it's like well he'll be able to he's young he'll be a it's just people don't just get better at everything if they did then gerald green would be the best player in the league yeah he still might be you don't know he still might be let's be honest i would oh i would sign gerald green in a second i know you're on a, a schedule so i want to move i want i know ben simmons is the most important but i want to move on to the to some other guys so we and we have time to talk about free agency too is that yeah. fair yeah yeah okay uh tj mcconnell how about it spike i i would say that I could tell within five minutes of watching him in the first summer league game that he clearly worked on laying the ball, like getting into the lane and laying the ball up uh-huh. in the offseason. I mean, he looks like a much more complete, um, like before he just looked like, isn't that cute? And he would do a couple of nice things, but it seems like he has taken a step to actually being a legitimate backup NBA point guard and I'm pretty excited for it. I think the hair needs to I understand <laughs> I, love it. I, I love it. I love it so much. It's so much better than last year. It I, I just I understand you, the need to have hair especially when I'm, I'm sure he has a girlfriend and I'm sure she yeah, wanted he, him to he have said, hair. He said he said the girlfriend wanted him to But there's a step you and it's he probably hasn't had hair in so long. There's a step in between like having hair for the first time and then doing it the right way. And I, oh. I just think he needs, maybe he needs to see a, a different barber or something. I'm, I just, I'm all in. I'm all in on the fifties cut. Yeah. All, all, all the way he looks like, yeah, whatever, but he looks great. He, I'm, I'm pretty psyched for TJ. You're just so confident with him with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You just know he's going to do the right thing. He's so good at change of pace. I think that that's a thing that a lot of NBA point guards, you know, some people are just fast. And they just play fast all the time, or they slow it down, and they just. But but he mixes it up so much that even though he's not the fastest guy on the court, because he's good at changing speeds, he can get where he wants to be because he's catching guys off balance. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for TJ. I'm sort of going to lightning around this because I see how much time we have. So, uh, but I'm very excited for TJ, uh, and I would much rather have him than Ish Smith. Much 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 rather. Definitely. Than Ish Smith. I mean, last game, uh, he, last night you watched last night, right? Yes. I watched it this morning, but I watched it. Okay. That was so – I was like – Yeah. More, oh, should. my God. With him screaming and the game-winning <laughs> shot, it really is hurtful. This should have happened. A quick aside, I can't stand D'Angelo Russell in the least. Like, so, Keep going. Do your thing. Well, first of all, like you know you're on TV, guy. Like, the, the, you're clear – like you cursed on purpose because you were on TV and you want – he is 
every there are some guys that are 19 20 that don't really come off like they're 19 or 20 he is 20 and comes off like he's about 13 i think his handle is like is sloppy you want is i you know like i think when guys turn the ball over a lot yeah well and and tj i think could tell it right away and start pressuring him full court because he has to really work I, i i just don't like him um at all so so i i defended him a lot in the nick young thing yep because it's like you know, if he, if we, whatever, it's a stupid thing. But if we take it at his word that he didn't leak it, and someone else leaked it for him, then it's like, yeah, we took a video. People said do dumb shit. Nick Young's the one cheating on his wife. Whatever. Um, but the 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 thing that bothers me is the ice in my veins thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like you just want a summer league game, buddy. He's co-opted that. Like that's been an expression forever. Yeah. And now it's like it's my thing, and he's like so ready to say ice in my veins, and it's I think it's like. Super obnoxious and lame more than anything else. It's like your. Fir- I was talking to my friends about it. It's like it's your. It's like your favorite line in the trailer, getting hit in the face with something and going, "That's gonna leave a mark." Like yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. That, like kind of lame joke expression thing that you think like, "Oh, I'm funny because I thought of this." Yeah. And I just like, come on, man. He's not it. cool. He's not cool. That, He's definitely uh, not cool. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, um, Timothy Luau. I gotta say. I'm a little, I mean, look, it's only summer league, mm-hmm. but I, I'm a little, little, I don't know, not concerned is the wrong word, but I'm not enthused. He, he, he looks like he, he has to push really hard to shoot from NBA three. Um, maybe it's, he's not strong enough is, is handles like sort of if he, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in love with what I've seen so far, but yeah, I'm, he's, I'm open he's not to there it, yet. Yeah. yeah. He's not there yet, but I, I have been impressed with his, he can't shoot off the dribble right now at all, yeah. uh, especially against not even NBA defenders, but summer league defenders. He's just not quick enough to do anything off the dribble really, but where he's going to excel and all he needs to do is cuts yeah. and catch and shoot threes and just, Try to stay in front of guys on defense. He's got to work on his body. He's his body's not like, you know, Korkmaz level, but he still has a ways to go before he has an NBA body. Um, but he's he's quick and he's got good instincts. I think um, him in transition is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, all he's going to do, I'm just going to say, hey, you're going to play 15 minutes a game, whatever. Just cut all day, cut, 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 and find and just hit open threes. That's it. Like. I'm happy with I'm happy with his ability to do you know he hasn't been shooting crazy well but he yeah he has a ways to go and I agree with you that it's not like oh he's got it he's totally set but there is uh he's shown in enough areas that we need him to be good that he's going to be that kind of player Christian Wood if you look at the box score has had a nice summer league but I yeah. gotta tell you. To my eyes, he still looks like a spaz out there, and I he he it reminded it reminds me a little. I watched two D League games last year that he was in, and mm-hmm. somehow I couldn't figure out how at the end of the game he had like twenty six points and eleven rebounds because he yeah. he he doesn't look engaged or something, and maybe that's me. I would make fun of somebody saying that about a player that I liked, but I don't sure. know. It doesn't. He doesn't look there. It looks like he needs another D-League year to me. He's just not aware. He has yeah. bad awareness. Yeah. He, on defense, he's lost pretty much all the time. 
um, doesn't know how to switch, doesn't know he, he, he can't, I mean, he can block a couple shots because he's long, but he's the, the jumper is encouraging and getting to the foul line a lot is also encouraging, but I, yeah, I mean, I love him obviously, but the people are saying that he should make the team over Rashawn and I don't agree even a little bit. I think he's got so far to go. He puts up stats, but I think they seem to me like empty stats without much. Uh, if you're, you need the context, and c- context for him is he's sort of lumbering. For, for a skinny guy, he lumbers. Yes, yes, yes. For a guy, he is, for a guy who people say is athletic, like I watch it, and he is yeah. not, he's not. He's not smooth at all. Um, it seems I like- want to be. I want to be all in, and I am like in my heart. But I'm not. I'm not clearing out a roster spot because Christian Wood had a couple good summer league games. Like it seems like he would foul out in about four minutes all over yeah. the back fouls, every single one of them, over and over the same thing. So, Rashawn, now you. Oh, go ahead. You, no, go to Rashawn. Let's go to Rashawn. Uh, Rashawn Holmes has uh, has looked good. You know, he looks like he's in better shape than he was. His that's true. The the key for him is just going to be, um, you know, Rebounding. yeah, and and we talk about in a real negative, and I want to like Rashawn Holmes, but every time I criticize Okafor, I bring up that thing that defensive rebounding doesn't really improve drastically, and uh, Rashawn Holmes's defensive rebounding is worse it's than Okafor's so is. So bad, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. You're watching him. I think it's because on offense he's hunting for the ball because he, he he's a good offensive rebounder. He can go get the ball, but he. For whatever reason, his brain doesn't work in a way that's like, okay, I'm going to box this guy out. He's just sort of standing there waiting for the ball to come. And then somebody just goes gets, goes and gets it around him. It's very concerning in every way. Like TJ McConnell is a much better defensive rebounder than Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A problem. It's, I, I mean, I like the way he's gone after blocks. In the, in the Celtics game, him and Jalen Brown really met at the rim a few times, and that was fun. Um, and he had a couple just insane blocks last night some were like guys were falling down and he was coming he was coming over and just like mauled the basketball yeah yeah yeah. which is always fun and just in terms of morale it's always enjoyable but um i really worry about the defense i mean four defensive rebounds last night in 25 minutes and it felt like oh great four four that's that's plenty So I don't know. That's the thing with thing with Simmons is that Simmons is, is a tremendous rebounder. You can just see him hunt for the ball and and, and uh, just a good timing. Like he's he's that's been impressive for me also. Um, you know, I I I I don't think anyone else has played enough for us. I, if don't we want to spend the last six minutes of the pod on? Uh, let's free talk agency. for a, let's talk for a second about uh, Jeremy and Stauskas. Stauskas uh, looked terrible. He looked really bad. I mean, yeah. there was one play, there was one defensive play he had that I was excited about, uh, where he stole the ball and like got fouled. And uh, it's, I mean, it really boils down to if he's hitting shots, then he's something, and if he's not, then he's not anything. Because he, because he can use he he's he has decent vision and decent athleticism to where if someone is, he can have a blow by on if someone is challenging his shot, if the shot's going in, the shot sets up everything for him, but he's not long enough to be able to do really anything else. If the shot's not going in a, a, like a good clip. And so he hit those two threes, one off a Simmons assist, one off a TJ assist, but he's got to be better. He just looks like he hasn't, he hadn't played. And both of them actually, Jeremy as well, look like they hadn't played in 
the whole offseason. Yeah, and, and I read somewhere that, that Stauska said he put on 13 pounds of muscle or something, and I don't... Doesn't, doesn't look like it, buddy. No, and his feet, maybe? Maybe he... <laughs> uh, uh, and Jeremy, for everything that he didn't look good doing, that dunk on that oh, Euro guy was—I mean, I mean that was like the Vince Carter dunk in the in the Olympics or the World <laughs> Championships. He jumped. He was all over him. It was awesome, man. It he jumped great. over him. It was great. Jeremy just needs—I mean, I, same thing with Jeremy. I need that jump shot to be decent, and he looks so hesitant. The like the the, the, the the how sure of himself he is when he drives to the basket or tries to throw down a dunk the exact inverse of that when he's shooting a three he's yeah. slow and un, like just worried you can see when someone's worried when they're shooting yeah, yeah. i think that's a concern yeah that's fair um, um but i i mean it's interesting let's talk about theoretically why they're on the team i think both of them to some extent staff is obviously more i think both of them to some extent are like trying to prove something well, they're playing for their jobs. I think. I, I don't. I don't think it's a lock at all. Even with his guaranteed contract, I don't think it's a lock that Nick Stauskas is on the roster. Come oh, I think. I, I think as of right now, Stauskas will not be on the roster. Yeah, I think yeah. that we have to lean towards. I think Brett likes Hollis more. Yeah, and and is more confident in Hollis on really both ends of the court. But Jeremy is a guy that I'm not. I wouldn't guarantee a spot for him. Right. I think he probably will, but. It if it could end up being a numbers game where they tr- they try to trade him because you know they have Simmons and Sarek and all those big guys that we'll see how they convey in terms of other other options. But I think it could be a thing where they where they try to move him and this is almost an audition for other people or a decision making for them where they can see like okay can you play on the wing can you shoot a little bit I don't know so I I, I he needs to have a good good week. Do you want to talk about we we've yet to we talked about Jared Bayless but we haven't talked about Sergio Rodriguez Jared Hunt, Gerald Henderson signings um, Yeah let's uh, um let's do it I think the I like them both I, it's not I got in a, somewhat of an argument with Ben Dietrich um about what Colangelo's done and Ben's saying that he was he wasn't he hasn't done anything but like sign mostly washed veterans to short term deals, and it's like yeah that's what I just didn't want him to fuck it up. That's all it was. I I was mostly concerned that they were going to go take just winning for the sake of winning. You want to surround Simmons and Embiid with guys who can fill a role right now. You don't want to have a situation where they're playing with. Stauskas, really, at this point. You want to be able to say, like, okay, these are NBA players. You're not going to be on an island to some extent what Okafor had to do last year, which was, like, do everything by yourself. And around better players, Jaleel would have been more efficient, I think. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine going after guys, especially Rodriguez. Even though it's one year, it's a creative signing. He's fun. He'll be out in the open court. He's been become a better shooter since, since he left the NBA. Uh, great passing. There's, there's, they're going to be a really good passing team this year, especially if Dario comes over. And that's going to be a lot of fun and different from years past. Yeah, I I sit somewhere in between how you and Ben feel on it. I I, I guess one thing that Pablo Torre tweeted something about if Hinky was here, he thinks he would have been um, taking you know, advantage of yeah the, doing yeah yeah going crazy. And I see what. 
look, the Nets haven't done anything great, and I, I was the first one to say I barely watch Alan Crabb play, so I don't know. But um, I did like uh, um, Tyler Johnson, by the way. But the, I did too. But, I, I will say the thing about Alan Crabb before you keep going. The Blazers had Alan Crabb for a few years and decided to sign Evan Turner to the same amount of money. So maybe he's not a great locker room guy. Maybe – I don't know. But, well, if, but, they yeah, really, but... if they really loved him, they think Evan Turner's better. So – well, but yeah. let's just put that out there. Yeah, which which could make them either really, really wrong or really. Wrong. I mean, who knows? But sure. I, I, I guess I just wish. I don't know. I, I guess I wonder if. I didn't want him to screw it up either, but I guess I wonder if there was a move in there somewhere, and I guess he still has a trade to make with yeah. Okafor. And by the way, I saw that – I don't know where it came from, but the Okafor for Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, like I don't love either of those guys, but yes, give me. I'll take it. I mean give Absolutely. me both of those guys, sure. I, I can't imagine that offers on the table and the Sixers wouldn't have taken it. And you know, no, he, I don't love Jalen Brown, but I'd still do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. I mean at least he's a wing and he's younger and let's give it a try. But the – I just – I guess I wonder if there wasn't something that they could have done that would have um, would have made a little bit of a mark than, more than they did. And I – I don't know. That's it, all. The, I'm going to use the same logic that people used again. Thank you for years. It's like people have to want to come here. Yeah. They're not but, just – But who just... wants to go to Brooklyn? You know? No, I mean uh, that, that franchise Look, is if, a disaster. If, if your biggest complaint about the Colangelo offseason is he didn't – offer big money to Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb, I I think Brooklyn had to get better. And they were like, we're going to just overpay some guys, hope the cap goes up. They can't do anything at all until their picks come back in like three years because they gave everything to Boston. Yeah, so yeah. They, they basically they're like, we're just going to go get some NBA players because we were not only bad but boring and hopeless last year. So I – the Sixers in Brooklyn are at a totally different place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And they don't have draft picks to do it with. I agree. I agree. I just I, – I, I, uh, I'm just trying to temper – I'm being fair on, on Brian Colangelo and I'm happy with the – based on his YouTube, I'm happy with the Sergio Rodriguez thing. The Gerald Henderson thing is fine. Um, I'm good with, with all of it so far until he trades Nerlens. But I guess that's all I wanted to wonder. And um, if I may, um, the – as far as free agency, well, first of all, the Bulls are hilarious. But um, yeah, the boy, Bulls and Knicks are both going to be like the same team next year, which yeah. is like w- w- hope we can. I think the Bulls are in a, in a little bit better shape. But uh, no, I think you know Chris Stapps is I guess same with Joe. They're, th- they're the same team. They're both like trying to give it one more go for some veterany reason. I'm not really sure. But well, and and you know what's his name thinks he's a point guard, and then they just got Rondo and Wade. Uh, uh, Jimmy Butler like yeah. thinks he's a point guard anyway, and all they did was take away the amount he could dribble. I don't know. Um, it's going to be very bizarre. I'm interesting to see what their team looks like next year. But like a quick thing on the Durant thing. Let's hear it. First, he left for two reasons. One, nobody wants to go to Oklahoma City to play. Like they were never going to attract veterans. They were ne- they were always going to be in a perpetual state of building from within and all that kind of thing. Like eh, people came to Cleveland for LeBron. So well, right. So. But well, I mean, but I even think I mean, who who came to Cleveland for LeBron? Some veterans. You said veterans. Who 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 that was any good? Richard Jefferson. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Next. Kevin um, Love. Kevin but, Love wanted to be there. Okay. But then the next thing is, is he, do, nobody wants to play, or if you're Kevin Durant, 
that you know who you don't want to play with? They he, they might be friends or anything. Fucking Russell Westbrook, like like oh. the, there's what would you rather do? Go play with those fucking guys. I have two feelings. I I completely respect what Kevin Durant did. I think it makes it a little more boring of a league, and I think it's sort of a bummer that they have all those good guys, and it it's sort of impossible to win. And the NBA has to do something about it. But I understand what Durant. Who. He doesn't want to play with Russell Westbrook. Like he does, there's no way he wants to continue spending the next five years watching that guy run up the court and take a, a confidence three as he shoots 29% every year. Like there's just no way. Well, I, you'd much rather play with those other guys, right? I mean, like. Yes, I see that for sure. Um, and you know, I'm normally team players, but the whole Durant's the Warriors thing just like really bums me out. Like it just yeah. it feels yeah. gross. Yeah. It feels like a shitty move. I get the 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 whole idea of wanting to play in a, in the city. I don't know. He seemed like he he doesn't. Durant is not like a nightlife guy. So I think it was if if he wanted to go to San Francisco, it was because Nike and people close to him were like pressuring him to go to a bigger city. The idea of playing with Westbrook, I get. I think, yeah, I can see that, like, you know, he loves him, but also, come on. You know, yeah, like, he, at a certain point during a game, you got to be like, what the fuck, man? Come on. But and he's going to, I don't know, it just, it, just, it just feels gross to me. I, I'm always team players. You know I am, and, yeah. and he can do it every once, and I can say that I think it's bullshit. I think that you, you're up 3-1 to a team in the, in the Western Conference Finals, and they're the best team of all time. And then you're just like, ah, oh, we lost, so I'm gonna go play with those guys. It's just, it's just a little gross to me, where he's gonna be like, you know, the second guy. He's just gonna be, he's like a three and D guy now. Durant is just like, it's just, it's obviously they're great. Obviously they're gonna either win or lose to LeBron in spectacular fashion. But I don't know. I think if you're the kind of person that like wants to go to a team that won 73 games. Because who who just beat you? I think it shows a little bit about. I'm not a legacy guy, but like yeah. it shows a little bit about your character of just like, come on, like you should want to beat those fuckers. You should want to join them. Well, and here's one thing I'll say, comparing it to the LeBron Heat thing, the Heat became the best team of the league because LeBron went there. Absolutely, they won 45 games the year before. Yeah, the, the, whatever team LeBron goes to is the best or second best team in the league. Durant went to a team that was already the best team in the league. It's yeah. a very different thing, you know. Um, and I, 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 I don't, I begrudge him less for it because I don't even know what I expected of him anyway. But I just think it's a bummer for all of. You know, uh, for everybody. Yeah, I, I think I, even even people that support the move are like, yeah, but it's kind of a bummer, and it's just, it's sort of shitty. I don't know. Meanwhile, Clippers got most baits, so that's yeah. I think it's fair now. That's a fair fair trade. And by the way, I don't think I would trade for I, I having. I don't like. Well, whatever the Russell Westbrook thing, I wouldn't. Offer you would trade any, for us? You would? No, I, I don't want him on the same. If Ben Simmons is here going to be like ball dominant distributor guy, like what am I doing with Russell Westbrook? It's you know? not perfect, but he's still one of the five ten best players in the game, and yeah. I would I would take him in a second. I would trade everybody and everything except for, if you can trade everybody and everything except for Simmons and Embiid, you probably have to trade Simmons. Is what you probably have to do. Yeah, I, and I wouldn't do that. And it, I, I, it's tough to do, especially with with Westbrook expiring. And a guy who's who is closing in on 
28, 29 years old, and so much of his game is based on athleticism, you know? I don't, I don't know how he ages, but um, you have to go, right? I got a couple minutes. Okay. Um, I don't know. What else? Uh, Do you think that – I mean, they've – right now, they have, I think, 16 guys if Sarge comes over. Right. Right? So one of Hollis or Stauskas is not going to be in, or they trade Nerlens and, and stuff or Jaleel and stuff. Right, Jaleel, Jaleel not being at summer league is is a thing. I think. Yeah. Oh, it He's, has to be. I mean, come on. And, like, and also Nerlens. I think. I mean, Nerlens has been quite. Both both Nerlens and Jaleel know that they are either going to be traded or at least not part of like the future core. I well, think their yeah. silence and general like disappearance. Yeah, I would love to rip uh, Okafor for not being at summer league, but it's entirely possible the Sixers to both guys are like. Stay home and don't hurt yourself. You know? Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think and Jaleel might still be recovering. I think is the case. Um, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't even if Jaleel was healthy. I don't think I would want him to play summer league because, you know, he's gonna he would dominate the ball too much. I, I want to see other guys do stuff. Basically, um, we know that he can bully summer league guys. We don't need to. That that's not a concern for me, but. I don't know. I I just want that trade to happen soon. Whether it's Nerlens or Jaleel or both, I want it to happen soon. And I know that the it that's just me being anxious about it, but it's tough. So the Celtics keep saying that there there's more moves in the tank. They just got Horford. Do you want to talk about Horford for a sec and, Dude, and how much love nothing, that? Nothing is funnier than like the they the, the Celtics have created the Hawks. It's the greatest thing ever. Like no, I, I'm so glad that they just spent 125 million dollars on a past his prime big man who it does not it doesn't do. I, I don't know. He might improve them. They won 48 games. What do they win this year? 52 games. I mean that is a. I don't know. Al Horford is one of those guys that I watch. I always say like the Zach Lowe all-stars of like guys that he says are really good and I watch them and I'm like, eh, like Al Horford's good, but I, I I don't know if anyone was going to play with Al Horford, wouldn't they have done that already? You know, is he attracting sure. stars? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, did you, uh, do you like Dwight in Atlanta more than you liked Horford? Is that more exciting for you? Yeah, I, I kind of um, I'm okay with Dwight. I, I don't yeah. I don't I don't know. I think he's better than people give him credit for. He's a goofball, but he doesn't seem like a a harmful goofball. I yeah. don't know. I, don't I have know no what idea he, what the Hawks. I have no idea what the Hawks are doing. Like they're just their yeah. whole sense of what what the direction is. Like they re-signed Bays. Yeah. They let T go. Schroeder's the guy. Millsap's got another year. Now they get Howard in there for what three years for Howard? I think. Yeah. Yeah. You you thought they would have been. Like by, just rebuild. Yeah, that's the thing is that everybody, nobody wants to full out. I don't know whether it was be, is in, it's in response to Hinky and and how the league like cracked down on stuff, or it's because it's just hard. But you look around the league, no team is like okay, we're rebuilding. The only team that could do that is the Thunder if they trade Russ, and even then, they still have too many guys that are decent to make them not the worst team in the league and being pretty well coached. I think that the <laughs> Some team should have been like, yo, the 2017 draft class is great. Free agency is insane. Everybody has cap room. Let's go the other way. The cap's going to keep jumping. Everyone thinks they can contend. Everyone thinks they're going to get better. Let's be patient. And like, let's lose this season a little bit. And nobody's doing it. 
Who's doing it? You know why? Because we have everybody's draft picks next year. We got swaps and everybody else's picks. So who else could do it? I mean, who? I don't even know who could tank. I mean, who could have done it? People could tank by accident. Yeah, but you look yeah, at the yeah. teams last year like that were in the lottery. Like the Pelicans are going to be better. The Lakers are probably going to be a little bit better. Uh, the Wizards will be better. The Jazz will be better. I mean, everybody's everybody's trying to head in the right direction. I think uh, the Kings will be weird. That pick swap, I desperately want that pick swap to convey. Um, it's going to be bizarre. And the Sixers are going to end up with two top ten picks in next year's draft. So why, why the Sixers needed to – why people want, wanted Colangelo to like go bigger in this offseason? The idea that he is patient or is being patient, whether it's by design or by accident because teams players don't want to play here, that's the best. They're going to get two top 10 picks next offseason. Dario's coming over and Beat's going to be hopefully healthy and playing. Like, we're, all we got to do is sit, sit tight and not fuck it up. It's going to be good. Why do you want to sign Alan Crabb for more money than he's worth? <laughs> you just, <laughs> that was a good rap. I liked it. I didn't want to interrupt you at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I, it's not, I'm not going to be like, you know, the, the broadcast team, which we didn't talk about, Tom Penn and company. Uh, where it's just like, there's a new aura in Philadelphia. Like, finally, they're looking to win. It's like, fuck you guys. Just think for half a goddamn second about who's on the team and what actually happened. Yeah, they now, just, now they're, they're finally here to win because they signed Jared Bayless. Is that is that the, the big difference between this year and last year? Really tough, really tough. So yeah. I, on the one hand, I want to keep being that guy where it's like, fuck everybody else that doesn't realize. But I can be that guy while also saying, I'm glad that Colangelo didn't go so far in the other direction or fuck it up in any magnificent way. He didn't, he's not being impatient. Whether, you know, if Stavskis doesn't make the team, it's not the worst thing in the world if he's not good enough. Like, I love those guys, obviously, but it's, it's time to surround our two best players, hopefully Simmons and Embiid, with guys who can compliment them and take some pressure off them and build towards, you know, a future where. Things are going to be happening. This is, I mean, this is good. Everything's just all he has to do is sit tight. He sat, he sat tight at twenty four and twenty six, and he sat tight in free agency and just signed a couple guys to reasonable deals. I feel great. Everybody, just chill out. That's right, team yeah. chill. Yeah, sit, yeah. We're all we should all be team chill right now until they trade Nerlens. Okay, um, they're going to trade him. He's they're both, they're both gone. I don't. I have no idea what they're going to get for either guy, but I think they're both gone. I'm going to freak out when they do. I'm going to freak out. I'm just warning that, you. I think that's the next. People were asking like for an emergency Ricky for like the Jared Bayless signing. And it's like, we're not going to emergency Ricky for a Jared Bayless signing. No, not when we can emergency Ricky when they trade New Orleans. Yeah. Also, now that I have a new job, they uh, I won't be like around to emergency Ricky much. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, uh, congratulations. I didn't even realize until I was looking at your Twitter this morning that you had a new job. So congratulations. I had no idea. Oh yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we we only talk on the podcast and about the podcast. It's the sure, weirdest yeah, thing. Sure. <laughs> Congratulations, well, it's a, thank you. It's a it's a new show on NBC. Uh, it's called Trial and Error. It comes out probably January, starring John Lithgow, Sherry Shepard, number of other people that you'll recognize by face. It's a comedy. It's uh, if if you if you ever watch any of those like true crime shows, yeah documentaries and stuff making a murderer 
Um, the real documentary that's based on it's called The Staircase. You should watch it. It's on YouTube. It's really, really good. Um, but, you know, like, it has elements of the jinx and serial, those kinds of things, but it's a comedy. And uh, basically, John Lithgow stars as a guy who might have killed his wife. And I promise it's funny. Well, I swear it's funny. I, unfortunately for you, you've set sort of a precedent. And when we tell everybody to watch the first episode, if there isn't some sort of like fucking Sixers thing hidden in there, everyone's going to be disappointed. Well, I didn't work on the pilot. So there's definitely not any Sixers stuff in the pilot. But okay. I, right. I, I, will, I will work to, uh, to wedge something in over okay. the course of right. the next couple seasons. All right. Uh, well, uh, yeah, emergency Ricky when there's a trade. Otherwise, just regular Ricky. Um, and that's it. That's all we got. That's it. Go, you know, a couple Ben Simmons jumpers would be nice. Maybe a more confident Stauskas. Mm. Um, and then uh, just keep it up. Trust the process. Um, this has been the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut, always in Philadelphia and uh, at LLPavorsky.com. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. All right, see you, buddy. See you, pal.